The views expressed by Dr. Wimbo Loa are solely his own and do not reflect the views of Dr. Wimbo Loa's employer, company, institution, or other associated parties. Welcome back to another episode of the Bright Brains Podcast. Joining us today is Professor Guy Wimboloa, PhD. He is a distinguished college professor from the University of Cincinnati. He is with us today to provide a unique perspective on the current crisis in the Congo. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you for inviting me. And I'm uh, happy to share with you uh, this discussion. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yes, uh, I am currently, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a scholar in Afghan studies. I'm a professor at the, the University of Cincinnati in the Department of Afghan Studies, focusing on uh, public health and health promotion. I'm also the director of uh, the social justice program, and I'm also the director of the global health certificates. And I also serve as an undergrad, uh, undergrad of uh, division, the under, undergrad director for the Afghan Studies Department. So I'm a scholar in Afghan Studies focusing on health. So the reason I had you on is I've been hearing things on the internet about something going on in the Congo. And, you know, doing my own research, I've been able to find some information here and there. But it feels like it's kind of hard to seek out. So that's why I wanted to have you on and to just talk to my audience and just get an explanation of what's going on. Because and this is something that we'll delve into a little bit later. I feel that issues that affect the African continent don't get as much discussion in Western media. So let's hop right in. Can you provide an overview of the current situation in the Congo and what key factors are contributing to the conflict? So uh, what has happened right now in the Democratic Republic is what some people refer to as a civil war, but it's actually not a civil war. What have the, Cong the Congo has uh, 26 provinces, and on two of those uh, uh, eastern uh, provinces, who are like bordering uh, Rwanda and, and Uganda, you have had militias and you have had groups who have uh, attempted to uh, overtake those provinces and were actually uh, hiding, were hiding in the in the the different you know uh, zone there in order to progress and to actually uh, to to actually exploit the different mineral wealth of those different of those different provinces. Those militia and those groups are directly supported by the government of Rwanda and the government. Of, of Uganda. And for the past two decades, we have had the, the uh, citizens of the, the Congo have had to face that instability and those uh, and that fight between uh, regular populations, the armed forces of the of Democratic Republic of the Congo versus those militia who are directly uh, supported by the government of Uganda and the government of Rwanda. So Rwanda and Uganda, are they funding these militias so they can get the resources for themselves or are they working for another power uh they are working partially for themselves but there are different uh, U uh, united united nations 
a report that states that you know obviously those two those two countries are also working collaboration with uh, some mining companies because they have to sell for what they exploit so but mean but the the uh, the major uh, focus is really and and the major gain is for those countries who are extra, ex, exploiting the the mineral wealth of the eastern part of the congo for themselves it was curious to see rwanda mentioned because usually when rwanda is mentioned in the Western media is is usually in positive terms. You know, they talk about how, you know, in the past they had their civil war and now they're they turned it around and they're sort of like this golden beacon. And I was really surprised to see about how Rwanda is engaging in this conflict in the Congo. Where where are these mining companies based? Is it America? Is it some other Western company or? They are multinational companies. And, and, and once again, I, I did not state that those government were agent because they actually, you know, they have this, their own self-efficacy. So they mm-hmm. own for themselves. So uh, they, what we know and what the urine reports states is that they collaborate with so those multinational companies while right, based as multinationals are all over the world. When it comes to minerals, the main mineral is cobalt correct that's what this is all about it's part of cobalt is one of the of the of the the mineral that is actually uh the main target but uh what usually people refer to when they talked about the conflict in uh, on the eastern part of the congo they tend to focus on coltan and coltan is another mineral that is uh, um extremely important because coltan is actually a present is it's actually a, a very rare to find in, in the world and then the congo is one of those few regions in the world where you can find it and it's actually very useful because it's uh, coltan is uh, needed in uh, every cell phone so every cell phone around the world has had uh, some coltan in it and uh, and one of the biggest you know uh, zone where you can one of the largest zone where you can find the mineral is in the eastern part of congo how have historical and political factors played a role in shaping this conflict in the region. At one time, the Congo was colonized by Belgium, correct? Correct. The There are obviously, like in any story, uh, you can talk about, you know, uh, the entire history of that that zone, which start uh, which starts even previously, uh, before even the colonizations that started in 1886 or 88, depending on uh, uh, which uh, which date you look at. But the current situation is a uh, is a combination of uh, of uh, is the consequences of of different you know uh, situation. Uh, number one, the, as you mentioned, uh, there was a civil war in uh, in the in the neighboring country called Rwanda, where you have had uh, and during that civil war that is that actually led to a genocide in ninety seven. You have had a lot of the, the individuals who were involved in that genocide, meaning a genocide against uh, the population of uh, which mainly mainly uh, uh, Tutsis and some part of the moderate Hutus who fled and actually uh, migrated and moved into the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Later on, the the, the new the new government that was established in uh, in Rwanda uh, that was uh, led by uh, by uh, a, a general that is part of the Tutsi minority. And he actually uh, decided to actually to put to to chase down and to continue that war with those individuals who are, are now on the Congolese soil, and uh, he later on decided to actually um, to actually support 
uh, those militia groups on, on the eastern part of the convoy to attempt to quote-unquote what people so would thought sometimes to refer to as a, a balkanization or trying to divide uh, the the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but it was unsuccessful in that sense that, you know, Congolese feels like, you know, strongly about having a unified countries. And, uh, and there has been fight and there has been, uh, since the uh, deceptions of those different militia, there has been a fight to regain the total control of that zone. How do the people in the Congo currently feel about this situation? Uh, they feel as horrified as anyone would be uh, when there is a civil, well, there is a, a war in your country on the eastern part. Uh, they are, they have been touched by the in, internal di- displacement, where you have had a lot of people moving from those provinces to other provinces because they are trying, they fear for their life and they fear to to stay you know, on the eastern part. And they all would love to live in peace with their neighboring countries and 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 have and, be, and live in harmony with the countries. But it has been uh, for the past twenty years something that you know um, uh, the entire Congolese uh, population and its diaspora has been um, have been victim under the, those threats and those uh, and those issues and that unjustified war. I've recently heard that this is the largest displacement of people. Yes, it is one of the largest dis- displacement of individuals in, in, on Earth right now. Wow. So where are they going? Are they just going to the western part of the Congo? Are they going moving to other to the countries? Center. They are moving in both. They're actually moving both inside of the country, moving into other different con- uh, provinces such as the Kasai region, Sankuru region, and others, as well as moving to other countries. Some of them have moved into uh, neighboring countries such as uh, Zambia or even moving into Tanzania and so forth. But uh, uh, when we talk about displacement, we usually refer to uh, what uh, the UN referred as in- internal di- displacement, which is that they're moving within the country and they stay within the country. The vast majority of, the, of them tend to move on there. Is the UN or any other kind of Western country or any country in Africa providing aid or helping these people mm-hmm. who are displaced? There's been multiple involvement of many countries in, 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 in this conflict. Uh, on the African continent, there has been the support of the countries such as Zimbabwe has provided uh, military support to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. There has been uh, the United Nations was provided a force that has been there for the past uh, 15, 20 years. Uh, called uh, first as MONUSCO. There is uh, actually a military, what people refer to as blue helmets, which is uh, individuals from the UN military who are supposed to bring the peace and to make sure that those, uh, um, to neutralize those uh, military groups as well as to maintain the peace. But uh, as, we, as we can, as, as we are talking right now, they have not been able to. And there's, uh, there has been a, a resentment uh, towards the UN because of its inefficiency in maintaining in maintaining a, um, a peace in that zone, and there has been support, as I mentioned, whether or not uh, from uh, uh, eastern countries, some from other countries such as Tanzania, Kenya, and so forth, we have all provided at some point uh, different military support to either a Democratic Congo Armed Force or to some of those militia. How is the conflict going right now? Is is there a clear sort of is either side ahead? Is you know the militias are they ahead? Or the, the militia has been um, uh, as I mean, war is a is a long process, and as uh, as we and of course it's, it evolves as as we speaking. But uh, since the inception, 
and there has been, you know, uh, 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 there has been a movement where at some point the militia were close to take some of those two main uh, cities in, uh, 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 the main one of the main cities in in in, uh, in the eastern part, which is called Goma, which is at the border of Rwanda. But they have never been able to actually. They were at the uh, what really close to enter the city, but they were never enter that city. Depending on where uh, we ask, some individuals, especially in the current government, the Congolese would say that you know there has been some advance, some control on the on the, on some of those hills and control, but they're still active. What we could say is that you have a, you have a situation that is no uh, no peace, no war, where you have individuals who are like you know those those militia tends to stay on uh, um on the periphery of main cities and to stay in uh, uh in, in rural areas overall so they there is there is life still going on in 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 the kivu region where most of the war uh, is taking place they still uh, uh um, like you know people uh vacate to their occupations and and work and so forth especially in the in the cities of goma and Mukavu, but there's still that instability of knowing that you know uh in rural areas you may have have to face uh some of those you know militia what will it take to end this conflict what will it take to bring about peace the stop uh first of all the clear identification first of all it, it, it like in in any form there will, should be a restrict uh a restructuration or um consolidation of the armed force of the democratic of the congo with a strong leadership that would uh, uh also have the 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 local population to actually uh, uh, face those uh, those different you know uh, those different militia and two there should be also of course uh, uh, making sure that all of those countries who support those militia uh, uh, are either sanctioned or have to face you know consequences uh, because they support those militia. How do you feel about the current leadership in the Congo? Uh, the current leadership right now we we're talking in December. Uh, there should be an, an election. Uh, coming up uh, uh, this, you know, uh, uh, this month, and they should uh, actually uh, state what will be uh, the the perception of the leadership in the Congo. So, uh, um, like there, like in any uh, um, uh, in any uh, society, there has been uh, uh, strong voices coming up against the government, but there's always been also strong voice pro government. So it sees the only thing that I that I could say as a scholar of uh, African studies is that you know. The situation on the eastern part of the Congo has not been has not been uh, terminated. So the fact that it's still there is still an issue that uh, the current government actually uh, uh, had uh, uh, had stated it will end it, and yeah, as as we're speaking now, it has not ended. And uh, we are still in the, and individuals as throughout the world are still waiting for a strong decision regarding that. Do you think that the current administration will stay in power come December? Uh, actually, yeah, this is uh, one of those things where I cannot predict the future. Uh, I uh, individuals who, uh, who uh, this is really in, in a coming of the, in, in, in a couple of days, we will know, but I just don't know the answer to that question. So we talked about uh, displacement going on, but uh, what are some other major human rights issues as well as environmental issues that are arisen based on this conflict uh there has been uh like depending on there are many aspects there is the human the humanitarian aspect and because i'm a, I'm a global health uh, professor 
I will also refer to the fact that you know some of the population may not have received access to care because of those because of those uh, uh, of that of that conflict. That there has been also uh, an Ebola crisis uh, where we have had you know the epidemic that there is there was an eruptions of uh, the Ebola viruses that actually or like you know more of a um, there has been the, the during the pandemic during during the, the two pandemic whether it was the COVID or the Ebola crises, you have seen difficulties for uh, medical uh, personnel to reach certain zone of the country because of that conflict. Uh, there has been obviously individuals who have been injured or have been uh, uh, affected by the uh, by, by the war overall. And there has been also the issue as, you know, uh, 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 that, that was in the news of, you know, of uh, rape use as, uh, as, as a form of... Uh, of uh, of war weapons, uh, weaponization of doing that war, but it's really affecting individuals in those two in those two provinces, and like any in any and but the main one or one of the main one is really has been the displacement of those population uh, throughout the country. So I want to talk about the cobalt mining in the region and how it's done. I've heard that it's referred to as artisanal mining. Uh, there's two type of artisanal. There, there is there is two type of, of of mining. There is really the industrial part that is actually taking place uh, by, by by main company, and there's also what you refer to as artisanal, which is individuals who are actually going by themselves and trying to find some form of of of, of those minerals. So the two are are, are are happening at the same time. While you have also a large section of individuals, like you know, any individuals can actually uh, uh start their own uh, mining and uh, and try to find a. Uh, a wealth to amass wealth at least yeah right. and this mining is it's very dangerous correct like like in any uh uh yes it, it is dangerous because cobalt as well as other minerals may have uh, it's dangerous on multiple parts it's dangerous as a job because it has like a uh it has you know um occupational hazards it's also uh, the conditions, whether individuals have the proper equipment as well as protections, and that and a lot of people tend to lack some of it. Uh, and there's also the issue of having those uh, on uh, the, of the safety and the security issues, which is because if you amount or if you detect or, or if you are able to secure or to find some of those minerals, how can you secure the transaction back into uh, transform that mineral into cash? Where are you going to do that? Whether or not uh, individuals who might be uh, armed may also try to actually uh, uh, secure that or to take it from you. So there are it's a multi-dimensional issues uh, that is linked to uh, that that is linked to uh, the, the the instability in that zone. Has there been any kind of effort to reform this mining process and make it safer? Yes, there has been different agreements, international agreements, such as the uh, the Kimberley uh, Agreement, which is one of them that actually uh, state that. Uh, Minerals should be identified. Every mineral should be identified where they come from, and especially in uh, 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 in order to help countries such as who are in conflict, such as the Congo, to ha- not have a mineral that are actually taken from uh, uh, Congo to be sold in different uh, international markets uh, as uh, belonging to another country. This also has been uh, uh, effort by the government as as well as officials in order to regulate. Uh, uh, the uh, the entire uh, mining industry, and there has been a big push 
into finding or actually creating um, a different um, a work or actually uh, not delocalize, but actually internalize, meaning bringing back some of those uh, transformations process that usually takes part, that usually uh, takes place abroad, but now taking place in the country in order to bring wealth in that country. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but are you looking to reach a dynamic and engaged audience of curious minds? Well, look no further. Bright Brains Podcast is the perfect platform to showcase your business or product. You'll be able to reach a diverse and intelligent audience and engage with listeners passionate about personal development, technology, and more. Elevate your brand through thought-provoking discussions. Don't miss this opportunity to promote your business on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the market. Contact us today to discuss advertising options and elevate your brand to the next level. Contact us at brightbrainspod at gmail.com to secure your advertising spot on Bright Brains today. Again, that's brightbrains with a Z, pod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Now, back to the podcast. Is mining the main source of employment? The mining, depending on the zone that you are in the Congo, can be one of the main sources of the Congo. When you talk about, you know, uh, the Katanga region, when you talk about the, you know, some of the part of the Kivu, it is uh, uh, one of the principal source of, you know, of uh, wealth creation. But the Congo as also uh, agricultural is largely a country where, you know, a large part of the sector of the, the, the population is uh, actually uh, living uh, thanks to the land, uh, meaning that they are either uh, in, the agricultural, in the agricultural sector. So one thing I mentioned earlier was that it seems like issues that pertain to Africa don't really get much attention in the media. For example, right now, everybody's talking about Israel and Palestine. And before that, it was Ukraine and Russia. Whereas you kind of, if you do hear anything at all, it's kind of just a footnote on CNN, definitely probably not Fox News. But why is that? Why does the Western media seem to ignore Africa? Uh, The Western media is actually focusing on, on Western issues. And uh, it tends to focus in, on either uh, uh, and, and gives you uh, uh, the news from a Eurocentric point of view, meaning that you actually are seeing what, uh, what's happening to other European, uh, European population throughout the world, whether they are in, uh, in danger and so forth. This is why you actually uh, do not have, you know, uh, much more access to different type of, you know, or different news. Uh, one way that you know the media is actually evolving is that you now have because you have um, you have uh, initiatives such as uh, diversity and inclusion in those those medias in Western media, whether you talk about European or uh, Northern Americans, you know, media where you actually see now uh, not only uh, visually having individuals from different backgrounds, but also providing uh, uh, individuals who have a different ideology. And those in the, those individuals with different ideology or different background will then bring the news uh, from those other part of the world. 
what you have seen also in the western uh, uh, in uh, in western media is that you have also the competition coming from different other media such as coming from uh, uh, um uh, uh, countries such as Qatar, such as uh, with the, the president of Al Jazeera and so forth, where they present the news from a different lens. What has to, uh, 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 so once again, the Western media presents the news from a Eurocentric point of view, presenting from a Western point of view, and therefore it does not, it does not you know, uh, focus or provide priority or does not prioritize the life of people from African descent or does not give you the perspective from people from African descent. So you don't think it's necessarily malicious that they don't pay attention to Africa? You think it's just that it's not a Western interest? Once again, uh, it's part of, uh, uh, and this is this could be lead to a, an, an entire d- d- discussion. Um, and I don't know if I can make it justice in just a, a couple of sentences. But once again, what you could consider malicious or or what you it's really about to see what is the perspective of the people in charge of those countries? What is the perspective of you know of uh, the United States leadership or or, or the European leadership towards Africa? If you have a president, uh, for uh, for example, in, in the U.S., you had a president who stated that you know uh, most of those countries tend to be uh, countries that I'm not even going to repeat here tend to be countries who are like you know. Uh, 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 a hole or a hell hole and so forth it's it's a it, uh, it's not far-fetched to imagine that uh, a executive uh, in the news industry will also understand the message that they should not focus on those countries so uh, uh it's all it's a perspective it's a perspective that is a, in its ideological perspective uh that now uh, for an individual to judge whether it are the, it is malicious if you are from african descent you may perceive that as a, as a, as malicious, but then then there, but then again, uh, maybe if you are African descent, maybe you shouldn't watch news coming from uh, a news uh, a news outlet that uh, uh, does not provide or that you that you you clearly see does not provide uh, provide you an Afrocentric perspective. True, fair enough. You mentioned about DEI, and you also mentioned about Al Jazeera. So, do you feel that coverage of African issues on the continent is getting better. The 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 the, the once again it's uh, about providing. It is it, it's not yes it is in some ways it is getting better because you have a more di- different voice coming in from there and and some of those as I mentioned I'm not you know on the board of Al Jazeera and so forth so but some of the documenting that you see in Al Jazeera tend to be from a different perspective or coming from an African perspective that doesn't mean that it's perfect. But once again, you have seen like other channels such as, you know, uh, African news or, and so forth, providing you the news coming up from Africa. And you can see like even in the U.S., you can see the the building of, of, a, of a perspective that is uh, even if you watch it from a, 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 some of those networks, whether it is Black News or even BET and so forth, where you see a different perspective and a, and a more Afrocentric or more um, um, people centric perspective on those issues. So yes, there has been an improvement compared to uh, uh, a few decades ago where there was only one form of news. Can it be improved? Definitely. And once again, it should include a larger numbers of people, journalists from African descent who know those issues and can actually share about the, 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 uh, or what's going on on, the, on that ground. What are some ways that people here in America can help the people in the Congo? or bring attention to 
the issues that the Congolese people face? Uh, number one, they should uh, uh, provide, you know, provide any form of support when there is a UN re resolutions against the, the countries that are attacking, you know, that, that are supporting uh, those militia. Uh, number two, bring awareness. Uh, like you mentioned, when we talk about uh, a war, when we talk about uh, what's happening in, in different parts of the world, not to say that, you know, uh, uh, those part that is not a drama that is worth talking about, but making sure that uh, like the work that you are doing, highlighting that there are different issues in this world and that are as important, if not more important, because they, they uh, affect more people and making sure that, you know, uh, the people of the Congo are not forgotten. About possible uh, peace. And you mentioned about sanctions and things like that. So my question is, if you could delve a little bit more into potential solutions or strategies for resolving the conflict and uh, promoting stability. To promote stability in any part of the world, you have to have, you know, a, a pacified nation. And to pacify, you have to have a strong military. There has to be at some point, you know, a, a military that is, uh, like I said, I talk about people-centric. I talk about, you know, a, um, a patriotic, strong, efficient Professional um, military, you know, uh, military, uh, in the, military professional institution that would safeguard uh, uh, the entire nation, and individuals can provide support in order to build that leadership and to build that military. But as long as you don't have that strong presence, so that the, that is uh, uh, that would be a deterrent for any nation to, to try to attack, there will be individuals coming in, and uh, uh, and the safety of a nation. Uh, really has to uh, uh, really uh, reside or is, is really like, you know, build upon that, uh, that. And this is, that would be the first step. And once again, that's the one that Congolese people have to, do, have to create and to maintain by themselves. And then there will be individuals who are like, you know, uh, ally that will come in and make sure that support that effort and making sure that you, that effort is not destroyed or attacked by others. The current military in the Congo, they do have a military, correct? I hope that's not they a... They do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've actually never thought about it like that, about the role of a strong military in, you know, defending the populace. So uh, hopefully, uh, I really want to see this conflict in, and I hope that uh, the Congolese people will be able to fight back. Um, my question is, and once again, the, the presence of, of of a strong military does not mean that it doesn't have a. Uh, it shouldn't be done also with uh, um, uh, in combination of, of a political effort that can actually uh, making sure, like I mentioned, that to cut off the support that those militia receive. Because I believe that the two, of the, this is a, a multi-dimensional solution. It would not be done only by one, but it will do in combination of multiple uh, uh, of multiple factors that will contribute to establish a peace. And you mentioned earlier that Rwanda and Uganda are supported by multinational corporations. Could you talk more about those multinational corporations? Do they have a name, or do you just want to be vague, or? Uh, it's not about you know, giving a name. And once again, it's not like they, they, they support, they collaborate. And that's the word I use. Uh, and that, you know, uh, those those uh, those mining giants can be uh, uh, can be easily found. And I do not even know their, their, their entire name, uh, all their names. But they are uh, they are different traders and aspect, like I mentioned, that makes that makes it possible 
for uh, Colton that is exploited in the Congo to end up on uh, uh, in, in everyone's cell phone. And there are multiple agents that are a part of that. And, and those agents may not have, you know, may, uh, uh, cannot be all named, but, you know, you can actually find them very quickly. So you're talking about all of those individuals who are part in what, who are a part of the chain of the exploitation of Colton. Well, are there any attempts by the Congolese people to resist this exploitation? And and the simple fact today, as we're speaking, that uh, those, those two provinces, like the North and the South Kivu, have not been controlled by, uh, by those militia groups is due to the facts of the brave and courageous people who live in the Kigo and, and Kivu and who have fought back and who have, main, have maintained and who have made it impossible for those militia and everyone who support them to advance or to do even more. So there are individuals, on, as we're speaking, who are making sure that those, those militia do not advance. So uh, while this conflict has been existing for the past uh, two decades, it is also... Um, um, it's really a strong indic indication of uh, the strength and the will of Congolese people in those regions to maintain unity and to maintain the integrity of their country. If not, it would not have, it, they, there wouldn't be any conflict and they would have just you know, dropped, their, dropped, their, uh, uh, dropped their weapons. So once again, uh, we have to commend the individuals who are still a with uh, courageously and for the past two decades fought back. That's awesome. And what region was this? You said it was the northern region, northern and and southern Kivu. I'm going. I'm not going to lie to you. It's like when I think about how much of our modern society is built upon you know cell phones, computers, and then I realize you know what it takes, you know, the people who suffer to get these minerals for us. And then I see how these corporations, they profit off of this. Whereas I think I read somewhere that these miners are paid maybe $3 a day. If that, you know, and I, and I, I feel guilty, you know, as, as a person living here in America, what is your take on that? You know, and, and once again, it, it's all about we are, we understand that we live in a, in a world where we all have to collaborate in some form or shape. It is it is important, yes, now that we that and that, that you know that fact that people are aware, or at least some people are aware of that fact, to make sure that there is equity, that individuals you know who actually are mining for those for those minerals can receive proper compensation. And this is a word that comes also from the uh, uh, Congolese leadership, but it's also from the consumers. The same way uh, uh, we have mentioned about, you know, uh, those different trade agreements and so forth. Today, we have heard about, uh, I don't know if you have heard about the concept of blood diamonds, meaning that, you know, it is extremely difficult to access uh, uh, diamonds that come from conflict region because at some point consumers to the, in the rest of the world, mostly in the West, have decided that they did not want to be involved. They did not want to be supportive of that. And there are different campaigns that have made sure that now have um, uh, uh, have, have trying to force and, and partially has been also successful 
into making sure that some of those minerals, uh, that uh, there is no reward for individuals from those militia if they uh, uh, exploit some of those uh, uh, of, of, of those uh, uh, minerals. So we have so the pressure of the international community as well as different African communities have had has had consequences, in in order to stop or at least decrease the level of exploitations coming from those regions. But obviously, uh, without uh, uh, without a, a strong a strong leadership and peace in that region, um, th then it, it continues. But it is my it is my personal belief that you know uh, that this situation will stop because once again, as I mentioned, you have had forces on the ground who have made it impossible, and we have had we have stopped at least the progression of some of those uh, some of those you know uh, forces. So you mentioned about blood diamonds, and I remember being in high school, there were two things that kind of brought that issue to the forefront. One, there was a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio called Blood Diamond. And, and uh, yeah, that's why I was thinking of his name, but uh, it was a great movie. And also the song by Kanye West called Blood Diamond. It woke people up. It caused awareness. So my question is, is there such thing as ethically sourced coltan? There is uh, nowadays, there's a process where they are almost getting there. What happens is that, you know, they, like I mentioned, uh, the Kimberley agreement and so forth, there are different agreements made sure that, you know, it would be almost an ethical uh, coltan, but there is, it's still in the process of being totally controlled. And there has been, uh, 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 not in the United States, partially in the United States, but there has been the voice of many activists, even individuals uh, such as uh, um, a comedian Amanda Seals or several, uh, uh, several uh, celebrities here in the U.S., we have raised awareness about that issue, and we have made now the, the pressure uh, about. We have made the, the made, made it a, a much more difficult for uh, countries in the in those regions to support those militias. So there has been a campaign, and they are and they still uh, are a campaign uh, uh, maintaining and making sure that those things are uh, that there is a pressure to maintain some form of you know ethical uh, extracted coltan. So it's good to hear that you know activists are actually making a difference they if are. you could yeah if you could speak to the world like maybe speak at the un or speak to somebody in power what is it that you would say to them no, number one i would say that you know uh and you uh that even if you if you watch movies such as you know uh black panthers and so forth a lot of individuals would say that uh, the uh, wakanda is actually the congo in the sense that it has it has actually you no know, wealth to actually help throughout the world. And uh, my message would be to the world is very simple, that, you know, the Congo would be is willing to share and to actually sell its goods to the rest of the world, but it wants to live in peace and harmony with its neighbors and that everyone uh, involved should actually make sure that it happens, that there should be peace and harmony in that region, that way the rest of the world will benefit from the wealth of the Congo. I would like to see that happen as well. You know, it's interesting that movie Black Panther, you know, that hero was created, I think, like in the 60s or so. And it's really interesting. Stan Lee, I believe, was the creator of that hero. The whole concept, I think, of a nation being uh, resource rich, but also being able to control their borders 
and you know being uh, what's the one I'm looking for autonomous independent yeah there we go autonomous it was a very you know afrofuturistic sort of dream and I, I hope to one day see the Congo and other African nations like that I'm curious think about that movie do you think that like I can give you my take on the movie in the sense that all right uh, there is two take. One, you have to understand that you know, uh, we all understand that it's a uh, it's a commercial movie made mm-hmm. by by studio by the Disney uh, studios in order to make to to generate money, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an aspect. But the number the second aspect of it is that it it is really uh, one of the first movie to actually to actually reach those box office numbers that display such a strong pan Africanism uh, pan Africanist message. And also the fact, once again, that if you read and if you look at those two, uh, the, the two Black Panthers, you will clearly see the influence of, uh, of uh, uh, the revival of some form of African culture, African uh, uh, thought, as well as African tradition, African clothes. And it's really a, 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 a link between Africa and its diaspora. And I think that's where that movie, despite the fact that is, of course, a, a commercial endeavors, is was such a powerful tool for all individuals from African descent or individuals who recognize themselves in, in Africa to actually see a strong message. And actually, an individual who look at that movie from a more critical point of view can clearly identify different countries, and one of them being the Congo, that can that really can pro- propel the development of the entire continent. And it's important that those messages of independence, autonomy, as well as uh, of self-control and, and pride can be not only uh, shared among Africans, but also among Africans of, of his diaspora. And I think that that link and the fact, as I mentioned, that, you know, uh, on the ground, that uh, activists in Northern America or in Europe or in the rest of the Western world have, uh, uh, have, uh, have really played and continue to play an, imp- an important role over what happened on the ground, even even uh, 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 um, different you know campaigns such as Black Lives Matter, such a, and so forth, have an impact on the ground, and that's what and that's why I see this movie as part of a link and as part of uh, uh, raising consciousness and awareness, despite the fact once again that it's a commercial endeavors that was made in in order to generate uh, more wealth for some uh, investors. One thing about the movie was the the character Killmonger, right? And I had an issue with that because I felt like he was kind of the hero of the movie. Um, no, and and once again, that's now we, we we're getting into uh, um, yeah. I know we're kind of getting into the weeds. Know, getting, the into, reason- getting into like a, a movie appraisal appraisal and, and assessment and seeing how we perceive that movie. Mm-hmm. And and I rarely have seen I don't know about you but I rarely have seen a movie that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, but that's some of the criticism and that's why more movies such as Black Panther are needed where individuals such as you saying that you feel like you was the hero that making making other movies where others will be the heroes. And and this is why maybe having an independent movie or having a movie that is not funded by a certain powers may generate that. And that's uh, that's a question that I'm asking, and that other generation will have to answer. What gives you hope? Being alive and give me hope. The fact, once again, as I mentioned, 
that as, as of today, cities of Gomas or cities of Bukavu in the eastern border are, are in peace. That despite the fact that, yes, there are issues in, in the rural part of, of, that, of that region, that people can still travel there, that people can actually go on the Lake Kivu today and visit it. And you can go on Google or you can go on YouTube and see fantastic videos of people who have tourists who have been there. That's what gives me hope. The fact that, you know, that, you know, individuals in the Congo are still standing strong, are still alive despite uh, the those two decades of attempt to demember the country or to actually you know uh, for, force them into uh, uh, migration that's what gives me hope and that's what makes me say that you know uh, that that like any countries it goes to highs and downs ups and downs but you know, uh, 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 better is coming, and that you know, uh, through discussions such as you know, having individuals as yours asking questions, despite the fact that we are like uh, literally uh, twelve thousand miles away, and and to me, that's that's hope just right there. Are there any aspects of this conflict that we haven't covered yet that you feel you would like to comment on? No, I believe that you know we have covered the entire aspect of this uh, of this of this conflict, and once again, it's about really raising awareness, especially knowing that you know uh, the mineral wealth of, the, of that region, and making sure that you know uh, we are, as consumers of individuals who are owners of of cellular phones, that we make sure that we continue to put pressure on all of those companies to uh, to 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 do what is right and to provide you know uh, equity into individuals who who also contribute into those cell phones. Well, hey, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming here and educating me and my audience. I learned a lot. Before I go, is there any last thing you want to add? Once again, I don't have, uh, I I just would like to say that, you know, it was a pleasure. Uh, It was a pleasure talking to you and uh, to the audience. I would say that once again, they can uh, find those information online, make sure that you uh, read different sources of of news and that way that you can provide your support either by participating in some of those uh, activist sessions such as Congo Congo Week, which takes place every, every, every year where individuals can support some of those causes or by making sure that you are, put the pressure on all of those uh, uh, companies that actually benefit. And especially when we talk about cellular phone, that you make sure that uh, those, those companies uh, uh, maintain and, and contribute and not only uh, maintain their agreements, but also continue uh, to fight for the, you know, for the rights of, and the health of all the workers who contribute to the building of those, uh, of that industry. What are some good news sources that people should check out? Any, I would say that, you know, I would advise individuals to always have four or five, and I'm not going to give you any names because Mm. uh, I believe that it's, uh, it's important for people to find their own zone. But I think that's one, what is uh, something that that I've learned that is, I I think, important is to, to build critical thinking. That even if there is one issue throughout this world, you want to make sure that you want to have the perspective coming from individuals who come from there. And this is important, whether you're looking at uh, uh, a different uh, conflict in the Middle East or in uh, in Europe, but especially when it comes to the African continent, because there's such this there's such a scarce you know voice coming from that continent, we have to make sure to find those voices, making sure that no matter what are what are those conflicts that you can find, and now. With uh, uh, with uh, computers and Google's, you can easily find those voices. All right, then. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. You have a nice day. It was a pleasure.
All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for another enlightening conversation here on Bright Brains. I hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration to fuel your own bright ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or however else you listen to this podcast. Also, we can be found on all major social media. Just type in Bright Brains with a Z. And remember, the brightest minds are those that never stop seeking knowledge.